Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Bridgestone Weather Peak. But did you know they sell other automotive products, wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Straight Fire. With Jason McIntyre. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Jason McIntyre, straight fire! Tuesday, February 23rd. Can I give you guys an admission? Every time I give that intro, my kids hear it and they make fun of me later in the day. They love it. Straight fire! Straight fire! Because they can, you know, I'm recording at home and uh, I've got my little office. And they just love to mock me and get on my case about it. But uh, I like the energy. I like getting y'all fired up. Guys, I got to say, the big bosses at iHeart are thrilled with the numbers. You can hear the new advertising. Um, Thank you for subscribing, rating, and reviewing, and sending every every episode to your friends. Oh, you got to hear what McIntyre said. Well, today, wait till you hear what Muggsy Bogues had to say. Uh, He got into the rumored Alonzo Mourning Larry Johnson beef in Charlotte back in the day. Muggsy Bogues was on the Washington Bullets. Les Boulets back in the 80s with Manute Bowl, the shortest guy and the tiniest guy. You know, I, I don't know if you guys knew this. Muggsy Bogues was shot when he was five years old. I mean, it is a crazy story. We get into all that. You're going to love it, so stick around for that. But first, I wanted to open uh, no major stories popping 
Monday in sports. You know, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about uh, Undisputed, but my gosh, I heard from everybody on social media. Thank you for the props and all the new listeners who came over from Undisputed. Uh, welcome aboard. And to the haters who, who are all Kyrie Irving stands who are just killing me in my mentions of my DMs. I feel you. It's all good. No, no worries. Um, I guess I should start here. Um, I just am kind of obsessed with this idea that James Harden has become a new player with the Brooklyn Nets. And I'm going to take it out of basketball for a moment and come back to it. And I heard a quote recently that was just pretty awesome. I had to write it down. There's no such thing as success or failure. There's only stepping stones. And I thought about that and I've gotten, I don't know, maybe it's living in California now, hanging out with some, um, some dads who have really made it, some dads who uh, have some really interesting stuff going on. And I've, I don't know, you get very um, philosophical about life, if you will. My, my kids keep telling me, Dad, you're always using the word life when you're talking to us. I'm like, I'm teaching you life lessons. And, you know, no such thing as success or failure. Like, everybody says James Harden was a failure in Houston. But what if he had to go through that to get to the next step? That was just a stepping stone. Houston was a stepping stone. He had to force his way out of Houston and be the bad guy. And he had to get on a super team. And holy cow, do y'all see how good James Harden looks right now? Like Rob G had all the stats and it essentially is trying to say James Harden is the most important player on the Nets. And like, it's not coming out and saying that, but he is very integral to their winning. And like, I'm not willing to go there because I haven't seen enough of Duran. He's been hurt lately. I'm just telling you, I'm kind of in love with the Harden story. Look at the Rockets. They lost again on Monday. Eighth straight loss, okay? They've got, I mean, they're one of the five, six worst teams in the league, okay? James Harden forces his way out of there, and he's on the team that's now the favorites to win the championship, according to Vegas, the Brooklyn Nets. Like, that had to happen. And, you know, I had read a story about, and again, this is more philosophical stuff, um, but... You know, in life, you know, everybody's climbing a mountain, right? And you want to get to the top, whether it's your profession, uh, your sport, uh, whatever it is, you want to get to the top of that mountain. And, you know, sometimes you just run into a brick wall and there's no way around it. So you've got a couple options. You could come down a little bit. And then make go for a new way, new path. Or you could come all the way back down to the bottom and just say, you know what? That was not my that was not my way. I've got to go a totally different way. And you know, there is something to James Harden adjusting his game a little bit. Because he was near the top of the mountain in Houston with Chris Paul. They were within a half of getting to the NBA Finals. Remember, they led the Warriors, the Curry-Durant Warriors, I think by 10. And then that third quarter, I've talked about it ad nauseum. Go look it up on YouTube. Third quarter, Game 7, Warriors-Rockets. Curry, Clay, Durant, just a tsunami of three-pointers. It is glorious to watch. And I remember watching it and just going absolutely bonkers. It was awesome. Because uh, I, I had money on the Warriors. And I like Steph Curry. You guys know that. Um, so... You know, you can climb back down the mountain a little bit. 
Nobody wants to come to the bottom and start over. That's like choosing a whole different field. It's like, hey, I'm a uh, engineer and you know what? I'm leaving engineering and I'm going to be an Olympic swimmer. Like nobody wants to do that. You put all this time and energy and years and you make all these connections. You don't want to come all the way back down to the bottom. And like everybody has these moments, you know, uh, again, there's no success or failure, just stepping stones. You, We've heard it from so many people. And, you know, I haven't talked a ton about this. Um but, you know, there is success and then you have failures. Like I, everybody loves to say, oh, you built a website. You sold it. Yeah, that's great. It was awesome. Um, and then I came out to L.A. to be on a TV show and I was on it for two years. And then I wasn't on it anymore. And it's this weird feeling where your friends and family obviously know, like, wait a sec. Jason's not on the show anymore. And they want to ask, like, what's going on? And, like, it's like, I, uh, I, what do I say? And... I didn't fail. It's not my fault I wasn't on that show, you know? A crazy person drove off a dozen other people. Things happen. It was a stepping stone. I had to go through that experience to then find other experiences and go through those paths. And, like, it was a stepping stone. And James Harden's failures, and we beat him up in Houston, man. I mean, we all crushed Harden. Oh, he loves the strip clubs. He's out of shape. He's not a clutch player. Like, Looking back on it, I almost feel dumb going after Harden. But at the time, it felt right. But James Harden's going to prove everybody wrong, guys. I mean, I listen, I know it's only a handful of games, and it's easy to become prisoner of the moment in February. But, I mean, I, it is tough as hell right now to look at the Nets and not think, how does anybody stop these guys? And there will be, they're going to be losses. They're going to have back-to-backs where they lose. They're going to have embarrassing losses where they forget to get up for the Pistons. And the Pistons beat them. Or, or the Wizards push them. And again, those of you tuning in to hear Wizards-Lakers talk, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Come on. Sorry. I can't get into Bradley Beal, Davis Bertans, and, and Russell Westbrook uh, uh, against LeBron and, and Kyle Kuzma. I just, uh, sorry. Uh, another day. Um, but I, I just, this Harden thing is fascinating to me. Like, I am really into that story. For me and the NBA, like, that's the story right now. They're new. They're fresh. Um, I'm trying hard to get into the NFL um, quarterback storylines. And Rob G said, listen, this Russell Wilson thing got interesting. And I listened to a guy I was friends with. I don't know if we're still friends. I haven't seen him in over over a year. Um, Michael Silver at the NFL Network. And we were were buddies for a while. And, um, you know, he's talking about the Russell Wilson situation in, in... Seattle, and I was trying to apply it to this whole stepping stones, and I'm like, I don't know. I just, I'm not sure I buy it that Russell Wilson is so unhappy that Seattle was pissed, that he was pissed, and now they're taking calls about Russell Wilson and the bidding starts at three first round picks. Like, I just find that really hard to believe, and I keep trotting out this as as an example But when the Miami Dolphins had Dan Marino, you know, they had one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And they lost him to retirement. Do you know how long it's been since they've had to find a replacement franchise quarterback? This idea they grow on trees. Like, guys, come on. It doesn't happen. Green Bay is lucky as hell to go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. They're lucky as hell. That's all that is. I mean, guys, I've talked about this. My Jets... I've been a fan for the Jets uh, 25, 
years, 30 years maybe. And we've never had a franchise quarterback, ever. Chad Pennington was close. I thought Sam Darnold could be the guy. We thought Mark Sanchez could be the guy after two straight AFC title games. Not not even close. Not even close. Like, it's impossible to find a franchise quarterback. When you get one, you clutch it like grim death. And I can't see Seattle saying, oh, three first-round picks. Sure, let's give up Russell Wilson. I, 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 I can't, I, I just cannot fathom that. It just doesn't make any sense. They have nobody in the pipeline. Even if the Jets, hypothetical, the Jets offer the two, the Jamal Adams pick back, and next year's number one. Like, why are you doing that if you're Seattle? You're not getting, you're taking a colossal step back. Unless maybe they need to climb back down the mountain to come back up with, uh, with another quarterback, Possibly. I just find it super hard to believe. And Rob G, you know, um, Mike Silver, obviously a very credible reporter. I just, it's it's a tough sell for me, Rob, that Seattle could move on from Russell Wilson. Right. And you mentioned Mike Silver is a very reputable reporter. So I'm sure whatever he is saying, he has heard. Um, but I will say that my feeling based on the report that he had on NFL Network uh, last night was not necessarily that Seattle would ask for three first-round picks. It's that based on the teams he's spoken to, if they were to consider trading him, the starting offer would have to be three first-round picks. So I don't think that that's actually going to happen. I don't see any scenario where Seattle pulls the plug. And just for the reasons that you stated, it Seattle knows more than anybody. Shout-out to Vars Jackson. Shout-out Matt Flynn. How hard it is to find... (laughs) a franchise quarterback in the NFL and they have one. So I don't see any scenario where they move on from him because he's upset about the uh, offensive line. I think they're more likely to get an entire new offensive line than they are to trade Russell Wilson. All right, before we get to Muggsy Bogues, I'm just curious, um, James Harden, am I barking up the wrong tree? Just, you know, I, I gassed him up on Undisputed on Monday and I really do think that James Harden is in line to be, you know, first-team All-NBA. I don't know if he's going to win finals MVP over Kevin Durant. Assuming they get to the finals, you know, a lot of things can happen. Kyrie could go AWOL. Who knows? Um, But uh, am I going overboard here with Harden? Feel free to call me out, Rob G. You're a straight shooter, man. No, actually, I feel like you're not going far enough. Because I think that this last stretch especially, these last five games in the West Coast Swing, and again, they play Sacramento tonight, so they're going to have their seventh straight win. And um, the stats say that James Harden, when he plays without Kevin Durant, they're six and three. When Kevin Durant plays without James Harden, they're only five and five. So James Harden, not only has he evolved as a player, and he's been the guy to take on that Chris Bosch role and kind of take a step back so that all the issues that we thought might arise with Brooklyn haven't come to, to come about because he's the one who sacrificed willingly. But I think that he's proven he is their most important player. Similar to what happened with Steph and KD and Golden State, I think there was no question that Kevin Durant was the best player best. on the team. Okay. But for what they needed in, in, in Golden State, Steph Curry was the, the engine. He was the most important thing for them to be the best version of themselves. Similarly in Brooklyn, I think that James Harden, because of the way he can distribute the ball, much better than Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant has never really been that much of a distributor. You know, for them to unlock themselves and to be the best version of themselves, him becoming that guy, I think, is is 
made them a juggernaut. Okay, let me ask this. You just something you just said led me down to this, and we'll get to Muggsy Bugs in a second. After LeBron, who impacts winning more than anyone else in the league? Well, I'm assuming we agree LeBron is first, right? Um, yes. I don't think anyone else is above LeBron. But who would you say is number two? Um, I think Luka Doncic obviously is in the discussion because of his ability to distribute and score. Um, I think a lot of people might argue Chris Paul. I, I wouldn't go that route. Um, I like Jason Tatum, Zion Williamson. I'm sure Giannis is up there. Joel Embiid's up there. But after LeBron, it's got to be James Harden, isn't it? Yeah, and it's funny to say that because we think so much of him with all of his failures. We, we associate him with the, the flame out in the postseason. But if you go back the last, what, five, six, seven years, I don't think anybody has won as consistently with as many moving parts, you know, outside of LeBron James than James Harden. Because he's had different versions of that Houston Rockets team. Him and Dwight Howard were making the playoffs winning 50-plus games. Him and Chris Paul were the only team to actually put a scare into what I think is the greatest team of all time, the Steph and KD Warriors. Mm -hmm. Him and Russell Westbrook, they ended up losing to the eventual NBA champions. Who's to say if they didn't have to face the Lakers in the second round? Let's say they got the Clippers or they got Denver. You know, Who's to say they don't make another run to the conference finals? So it's hard to, at this point, pick anyone other than James yeah. Harden, which is funny. Yeah, I, f I forgot about that. LeBron and Kyrie got one game off Curry and KD in the finals. And the next year, Harden and Chris Paul got three. And nearly won. So I, I, I do think after LeBron James, nobody impacts winning in the NBA more than James Harden. I think that's a fair statement. And I, you guys know I'm an unabashed Curry fan. Okay, and I, I declared Kevin Durant the best player in the league like four years ago before anybody else, uh, and and they came from my head when I said he was better than LeBron. Um, I guess you could toss Lamelo Ball. No, I'm kidding. All right, let, let's get to our guest who uh, knows Lamelo Ball well, Muggsy Bogues, former NBA basketball player. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Yeah. 
You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of general tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their general tire, test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy. All right, let's welcome into the show a guy, man, he is a legend in the D.C. area where I grew up for his high school exploits, and then he went into play at college. And, of course, you know him as a NBA legend, Tyrone Muggsy Bogues. Muggsy, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, it's uh it's a it's a you know a joy of mine to finally talk to you. As a small guard growing up, there's no better guy to look up to than Muggsy Bogues, who uh is of course legendary for his time. I would say with the Hornets. Um obviously people know him as a high school guy if you're from the DC area, but you know, career assist and steals leader with the Hornets. Um, first of all, how's life in Charlotte for you right now? Uh, life is great. You know, it's grand. It could be better considering the situation with everybody else's in with this pandemic. Um, but, you know, with that being said, I'm just trying to, you know, stay out of everybody's way, you know, follow the, the, the officials, the protocols, and, and do what I can do, with you know, within my control. Um, yeah. So enjoying speaking with you on this podcast. Uh, so, so Muggsy, obviously five foot three. And when you played in the, you know, late eighties, early nineties, uh, mid nineties, you know, it was really a center game. It was the big, you know, the land of the big men, throw it down in the post, back down, back down, hook shot, whatever. Um, I'm just curious, how do you think you would fit into current, the current NBA, which is pace and space tempo, you know, uh, it, it feels like a guards game right now. 
Well, I mean, we had some great guards back then as well now. Yes. You know, so, a couple uh, good ones, yeah. MJ won bad, and uh, Isaiah, we had a lot of guys. But, you know, the game has changed. You know, back then it was more of a physical. It was more physical back then. It was more stationary. You had guys that can camp in the lane a lot longer. You can hand-check guys, you can control. Uh, and then, you know, the, the the rules of the game was different. You know, our, and not only that, but the skill set was different from our guys. You know, we had guys six nine seven footer playing with their back towards the basket. And here it is today, you know, we got six, nine, seven foot bringing the ball up the court, starting <laughs> the offense. And, uh, and, it, and it's, it's relatively, you know, warrant in terms of the skills of today's game. You know, these guys are really skillful. Um, the game has evolved. So you got to, you know, it will continue, you know, and when machinery get better, you know, guys are getting faster and stronger. It always going to be that way. So, um, you know, you got to credit the NBA for allowing them to adjust to the to players of today's game. Yeah, let's start with a guy in your backyard there, LaMelo Ball, who is having a pretty phenomenal rookie season. I don't think anybody saw this kind of production from him. People thought he would be good, but, I mean, this is a teenager tearing up the league. Uh, he is a big leader for rookie of the year. I'm just curious, are, are you surprised how easy the game seems for him, LaMelo Ball? Well, I'm not surprised, and uh, and it's going to, you know, he's going to have his ups and downs continuously as being a rookie, but, you know, for him, you know, credit to him, he got an opportunity to play against professionals last year as a youngster playing mm-hmm. over, you know, overseas, those guys are considered pros, and having that experience and having that understanding, you know, just, you know, boosts his ego. He couldn't wait to get an opportunity to play against the best in the world, which is the NBA, and I think, and he relished at the moment. Um, he sees the game. Um from a point guard perspective, it's, it's kind of slowed down, I would say, where he's able to, you know, uh, understand where his teammates want the basketball and how they can be successful with it. And at the same time, being able to create his own opportunities. And I kind of compare him to a little Jason Kidd and Penny Hardaway in one, one package with the vision with, with, with uh, Jay Kidd, with the height and the scoring ability with Penny Hardaway. And that's something that, you know, is very rare. You know, you hate to be compared to anybody, but, with me, you know, being around the game and seeing it, you know, just looking at his skill set. And he has those two qualities within those two young men I just mentioned. Yeah, I, I was dubious that it would work instantly in Charlotte, given Graham and Rogier are kind of bulldogs who had to fight for everything. They're kind of underdogs and in comes this, you know, hot shot young kid who's been written about since he was a freshman in high school out here in California. Um, are you surprised how easy it's come for him given the the nature of the Hornets backcourt? No, that's was very helpful for him, having that dynamic backcourt. And mm. you mentioned with Devontae Graham and, and Terry Rozier, because those guys, even though Rozier a lot, a little more veteran than Devontae Graham, you know, they bring experience and they, you know, don't come in with egos and they was willing to help the young fella grow and accept him to come in. And I think another uh, addition with Gordon Haywood, you know, being a veteran, they need veterans around these young guys and they needed the right veteran. And I think he was that right veteran because he's not going to be someone that come in and be dominant of the growth of the, of the potential of a Miles Bridges of a PJ Washington, as well as a mm. Devontae Graham. And then with him and, and with Haywood and Rozier playing together in Boston, you know, they have some familiarity with one another and that gives them you know, with their skill set, you know, Haywood could create his own shot from the three as well as the mid-range. And Terry just having the best season of his career. You know, that allowed these young guys just to play their game and let yeah. Melo be him. And I think for him being the point guard, pass first type of guy, 
you know, these guys love playing with a player like that. I'm curious, outside of anyone on the Charlotte Hornets, is there any point guard right now in the NBA you just absolutely love to watch? Of course, Steph Curry. And, okay, just yeah. making sure it's Curry. <laughs> Steph is going to be CP. And, you know, I like all of Kyrie, even the young fella Saxton and Fox up at, you know, at Kings and all the way down mm. to, you know, Trey Young over there in uh, Atlanta. I love all my guys. And the Westbrooks, the, you know, those are my guys. I just love guys competing and at the highest level. And these guys have been doing it for quite some time. Now, maybe it was just an oversight. No, I did not hear Kyrie Irving mentioned. Are you a big fan of his work or no? I know. Listen, I know he rubs some people the wrong way. No, uh, I said Kyrie. Oh, you did say Kyrie. Okay, yeah, maybe yeah, I overlooked yeah, for that. For okay. sure, Kyrie is a showstopper, baby. Yeah, he is. He he's he's kind of a showstopper. Um, but listen, you were a showstopper in your prime, dude. Come on, I mean, uh, you know, some of these highlights that you see from, from Wake Forest and in the NBA, like. You were just one of these dynamic guys. I have to ask about, you know, the height thing and how you overcame it. Because, listen, man, uh, five foot three, not a lot of five foot three guys in NBA history. I mean, I probably could count them on one hand. Um, What do you think was the biggest obstacle for you with the height, uh, convincing people? I mean, you were top uh, lottery pick to the the Bullets back in the day, uh, 1987 draft. Um, Yeah, what was the biggest obstacle overcoming with the height? Uh, Well, you know, you're you're probably going to call Count on one finger with the five three. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was Spud Webb? Five four? Five seven. Uh, no. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then we had Gary Grant, five five. And then you had, uh, so we had a couple guys in there. Nate was five, what? Nate Robinson, five eight. Um, yeah. So we had a couple guys in there. But uh, for me, in terms of breaking down the barriers, it was just, you know, understanding what that game and what my position called for. Uh, and for me, playing in the level in the conferences that I played in, uh, the ACC was considered the best, and you know I thought the best in the country. You know at yeah. the time, and playing against some of the best players. And you know when you play against the best, and you had success against the best, then you felt like you needed to be included with the best. So you know having that attitude and that mindset allowed me to keep climbing up the ladders and uh, letting folks know that it's not just who um, have the height to play the game, but whoever. Yeah. Had the- play the game so you know tall small basketball is a game for all and I always understood that and, and like you know back to the high school days um you were on a loaded team but you kind of ran the show that was your team uh the undefeated Dunbar uh team that I think you were what 59 and 0 in high school some obscene number and we're talking about playing the best basketball in the country uh in the DC area um you know, do you recall getting tr- people trying to push you around and say, oh, oh, yeah, this is not your team. You know, you're only 5'3". Um, do do, how did you handle that stuff? Well, no one was going to push me around. You know, I was a <laughs> cocky little kid, grew up in the inner city of Baltimore. You know, we had a little swagger to ourselves. So yeah, that wasn't going to happen. But in terms of, you know, people really, you know, inquisitive minds wanted to know. They never seen a guy my size out there competing like that. Yeah. And, and we was very loaded. We was talented. You know, we had, again, we was fortunate enough to have four guys to go play in the NBA, David Wingate, the, the Reggie Lewis, may he rest in peace, and the Reggie Williams. Um, and so, and had a coach that had that understanding how to manage those egos and how to make them work and collect me as one. Um, so, you know, for me, you know, at that time, I was just trying to showcase and let folks know that, a kid my size are capable of playing on this level. And uh, me running the show, plus getting the respect for your teammates. You know, I had mm-hmm. that leader type of mentality to where, you know, I understood being an extension of that coach because the ball was in my hand. 
pretty much 85% of the time. You know, I'm sure a lot of people have read your upbringing. It was difficult. We had Sean Merriman on the podcast, the former NFL player, and he talked about uh, uh, just a tough upbringing in, in kind of that region. Um, you know, obviously you're now in Charlotte, you great career, great life, but how often do you, do you think about, you know, what you came out of and how you were able to escape a, a really tough area in Baltimore? Well, and of course, sports continue to keep you active and keep your mind, you know, early on, unfortunately for me, I got shot at the age of five and, um, you know, being at the wrong place at the wrong time. And, you know, but that was the environment that you grew up in. And of course, from that moment on, my mindset changed and things kind of, you know, focused more so on the things that you became interested in, which was sports. And, yeah. you know, the sports gave me an avenue and, you know, having people in your corner telling you, you know, that, you know, school is important because um, they didn't think basketball was going to be part of my journey, but, you know, it was the school and, and you know, just having that positive influence. And for me, you know, I just knew that I wanted to play and well, nothing going to deter me from playing. And my strong, you know, mind that I had and where, I, like I say, where I came from was going to, you know, wasn't going to prevent me from accomplishing what I was carrying around in my head for swipe. Yeah. I mean, you said you were shot when you were five. Like, how much do you actually remember about that? I mean, I'm sure that was a life-changing moment, but five years old, geez. Um, you're now, what, 56? 56. 56. Yes. Very vividly. You remember very vividly. It's something that you don't never leave your memory bank. Um, you know, fortunate for me that I got hit with the pellets and not the bullet. Uh, the bullet mm. over my head, and I got the buck shots went all over my arms and my legs, you know, but at the age of five, you know, you ain't know the difference. You just knew that she was bleeding and things was in your body. And um, mm. and that felt too good. So, Wow. And then so uh, I, I want to revisit this Reggie Williams high school team because he was one of my favorite players as a Georgetown fan. I just loved, like, his ability to just score off the dribble. Like, as a point guard, I'm curious, like, you see Wingate scoring and Reggie getting buckets. How much did you want to also score or were you just content saying, you know what, I'm good averaging eight points and eight assists and being the floor general, a defensive hound of an all-time great team. Well, yeah, that was, um, I had no, no problem. That was where I got my passion. I was dishing out the basketball, seeing yeah. others play the basketball, creating for others, allowing them to do what they do. You know, that's what I felt like point guard responsibility was. You know, you have opportunity to create for your own as well. But the most important thing, you're running your team. Uh, you make it in uh, position-wise. At that time, you know, you more or less, you know, understanding how to get everybody involved and how to keep the chemistry as a unit going in the right direction. Um, I, I want to bounce to the NBA. When you got to the league, obviously a lottery pick, 12th overall. That was the David Robinson draft. You ended up in Washington. And obviously, listen, I, they were a miserable franchise. I doubt you disagree. Um, but it must have felt good to kind of stay home, right? Oh, it was great. I mean, I'm so grateful and thankful that the Bullets took me. Regardless of how it all uh, unfolded, but, you know, that was the day the weight of the world was lifted off your shoulders. And, yeah. you know, I'm going back and playing in your backyard, playing with some of the greats and the late Moses Malone and may he rest in peace as well as Manu Bowe. May he rest yeah. playing with Daryl Walker, John Williams, Jeff Malone, those guys, Terry Catlish, Bernard King. You know, that was that was that was an honor, you know, the yeah. Charles Jones. Um, so it was really uh, for me, um, welcoming to the league, you know, knowing that hey, this is a professional sport 
a job that you, you know, that you got to make sure that you keep. And uh, again, you know, when things didn't work out in Washington, you know, going to Charlotte, I felt like it was a match made in heaven. Allowed yeah. me to showcase. I, I am curious. I think every kid I knew had the Muggsy Bogues Manute Bowl poster. Um, <laughs> how quick did that get old? Were you just instantly sick of that storyline? Or do, were you like, hey, this is, I'm in the NBA. I don't care. You guys, no. you, you could talk, talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was what it is what it was. I mean, you know, that's who we are. You know, it wasn't nothing you can run from him. Manute yeah. was six. I was five, three. And, you know, it was the nature of it. And uh, you got to accept that. You got to have fun with it because that's what, exactly what it was. And so we enjoyed that. We enjoyed the, the ironing of it. And uh, it's good to see now his son playing in the league. And what was like the vibe when you got traded? Like, obviously, you have to kind of leave home, but you know, you had the experience of Wake Forest. Uh, you know, you you go to kind of a Charlotte team that was uh, very new to the league and you know not very good. But uh, talk about the circumstances of of cha- changing teams there early in your career. Well, at first, at the beginning, it wasn't a good feeling, but it, it got I got over that real quickly because I came to a familiarity, you know, a place where. Played college only an hour and a half away from a city that was familiar with me. Um, Charlotte, you know, knowing I played in Wake Forest uh, and ACC for quite some time. And it was a college town at the beginning. You know, they had to grow to know about what the NBA was all about. And we all grew together. And that was a great experience, you know, playing with the likes of the Dell Curry, the Rex Chapmans, you know, the uh, Kelly Trapukas, the uh, at the same time, uh, Kirk Rams and so forth, Earl Curtin, Ricky Green. You know, that was a mixture of young guys with the vets. And um, and that was, a, again, a, mess, a, a a way of entering to the lead and understanding that, hey, you can be gone any moment. Yeah. Uh, so a few years later, you guys get Kendall Gill, uh, Alonzo Mourning, Larry Johnson. And all of a sudden, you know, you guys are one of the most popular teams in, in the league. Uh, those jerseys were off the charts. Cool. And then you take down Boston in the playoffs. And it's like, whoa. I, 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 I just take us back to that moment when you guys beat Boston and have to face the Knicks in the playoffs in 93 and just what it was like. I mean, you had made it, right? This is not just being in the NBA. You're on a, like a good team in, in the playoffs. Uh, you know, kind of revisit that, Muggsy. Yeah, that was uh, that was a stepping stone for us. You know, as you just mentioned, the draft picks we started to acquire, um, the, the Kendall Gills and then the Larry Johnson, then Alonzo Mourning. You know, those young stars came in and uh, with some swagger, with some uh, readiness, uh, in terms of the play in the NBA level. And uh, and we became an exciting team with the mixture that we had with the Johnny Newmans, uh, as well as the Dale Curry, as I mentioned. Um, and, and that became a team, a Kenny Gaddison. So we had a great mixture of young and veteran players and uh, that had a, you know, became a fun, exciting team. Of course, the uniforms, you know, with the pinstripes and the tail and the purple, you know, everybody really loved them. Colors. Very cool. Yeah, so it became, you know, we became a national, you know, known uh, commodity. And, um, of course, winning that game against Boston, that series, you know, propelled that and put the city on a different uh, stage. And um, and that was a great moment for, you know, the organization, you know, because it was in the fifth year of his uh, uh, experience. I mean, fifth year in the lead. And here it is. He was able to, you know, make it to the playoff and had that, you know, not only make it, but prevail in that first round against a prestige uh, organization like Boston. Yeah, uh, one of the bigger questions in the 90s, besides like what would have happened if Michael Jordan never retired, um, 
you know, like, what what do you think would have happened if Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning had been able to work out whatever the differences was? I don't exactly know what unfolded there or why, they, why it didn't work out, but what do you remember as, as to why it didn't really happen? Because a couple of years later, you guys get to the playoffs against the Bulls and lose, and everybody's like, okay, th- maybe they got next. You know, you, you it felt like you were making stepping stones, as you said, but then it kind of fell apart. What do you, how do you recall it unfolding? Well, contract. Yeah. <laughs> it was a contract. You know, they offered them one, and the other team offered them more. And, uh, and of course, more always win. And, uh, you know, and there was no fault of Zoe, but, you know, that's part of negotiation. And at that time, you know, when a young player of that nature become free and, and felt like, you know, he's willing, you know, he's deserving a pay raise. And if he don't get what he feel like he deserved, then, of course, they're going to go to a place where they feel like he could get it. And that's yeah. what that he got in Miami. And that was the end of that. Did you feel it was like a tug of war whose team it was? Because that's a big narrative now in the NBA, Muggsy. You you know, like when Kevin Durant was in Golden State. Well, whose team is it? I, personally, as a fan, I think it's a dumb topic. Yeah. But we talk about it all the time on TV, you know. And then whose team is it now? James Harden or Kyrie Irving? Did, did you feel that that was an issue, Larry Johnson or Alonzo Mourning, or no? No, no, because one thing, you know, I had a strong presence there. My voice was strong. And it wasn't no who team it was, you know, it was the stars. I mean, we was pretty much all in it together. We didn't look mm-hmm. at it in that regard. So it's my franchise, this, you know, because, right. you know, the guys, we all respected each other. You know, when Dell and I have been there the longest and those guys coming in and we meant to them and understanding, you know, so they gave us that respect as well. So it wasn't no egos and folks, you know, take it the wrong way in terms of, especially with Larry and, and Lonzo, you know, they got yeah. along extremely well here in Charlotte. And, uh, and they was fighting, you know, for each other, you know, in terms of when we was trying to uh, bring in that championship here to Charlotte. So it was no negativity going on there. It's weird because the way you frame it is you and Dell were, you know, the veterans in the locker room and you kind of need that presence. But a lot of these teams now, Muggsy, they don't have the veterans. They've just got these huge stars and then a bunch of ancillary pieces. I mean, I'm not trying to create a problem in Brooklyn, but... I do wonder when things go sideways, and you know they will, you know, who steps up in that locker room? Kevin Durant? I mean, he's, he's not really a veteran. Uh, James Harden, uh, Kyrie Irving, these are all, like, superstars. Like, I, I just, how do you ha- how do you think they'll handle that? What do you mean Kevin Durant ain't no veteran? He's only, like, 30, 31 years old. He's been in the league 10, 12 years. What do you mean he's not a veteran? Mm. <laughs> I mean, he's bounced around. He, you, so, KD's a veteran. Yeah, KD's a, a veteran with championships. <laughs> so, so okay, so I would think KD ha- is the guy, right? That pedigree brings that uh, stigma within itself. So, I mean, in terms of – but those guys, I mean, they men, they understand what, what's going on in the locker room. I mean, they said it, I mean, very vividly in terms of Kyrie and as well as James Harden, as well as Kevin Durant, in terms of, you know, we, we respect one another. It's, it's not about who team it is. You know, they all respect each other in terms of – how to dialogue, how to communicate, and here it is. Look what they're doing without Durant in the last four games. You know, they're yeah. mending together and they playing, accepting each other's role. The ball is now in James Harden's hand, and Kyrie is more or less the wing guard, which he's accept, and they all accept that. So, uh, you know, I, in terms of people trying to wait and see if anything go wrong with that organization, I mean, that's just crazy, you know, to be thinking, but uh, these guys are men, they've been around the league for a long time, you know, outside noise always try to creep in, and they understand that, and going forward, you know, they relish the moment.
And I guess I asked that because Kyrie's last two stops in Boston, it was kind of him versus the young guys. And then in Cleveland, you know, you'd think he would just defer to LeBron, but he demanded to be traded. And I I almost, it's difficult for me to comprehend why someone would want to leave a guy like LeBron. But I, I just do wonder when, you know, in the locker room with these big time stars, you know, how do you avoid ego creeping in? Is there even a way to do that or is it impossible? Well, I mean, you got to look at Kyrie in his own right. I mean, not wanting to play with LeBron, that ain't, I mean, that ain't nothing, I mean, nothing knock on either one of them. Just to decide that, you know, they want to try something different. They played with each other. They were successful with each other. And uh, he decided he wanted, you know, wanted something more for himself. I mean, as a player, you got that right. You don't have the, yeah. you know, everybody want to predict everybody's future. <laughs> that you know these guys as a professional is a business you know these guys have the right to go and and hopefully choose and play for who they you know they feel they gotta you know when they become free they got the opportunity to do and, yeah. it, and him and you know the friendship that him and kevin durant um uh formed with each other they decide they want to play with each other you know and, and the mix just happened with james harden by ben and houston they decided to join him but you know that's the nature of the nba it's a business for one you know, I know a lot of people talk about the trades and what guys saying what they do, but they do forget about the organization when they do things. When they trade players without their knowing, without their saying, you know, you don't hear much about that. But when a player wants no, to... No, yeah. That's a good point. So, I mean, it goes both ways. Draymond Green, yeah, I, that was a great point he made. Um, I do wonder, Muggsy, uh, we could wrap up on this. Like, Kevin Garnett recently said he didn't know if players you know 20 years ago could hang today and that opened a lot of eyes um you know you spent a lot of time in the league and you watch obviously the nba now do you think guys from the 90s and the early 2000s could hang in the league today i'm quite sure every nba player (laughs) feel like they can play in any era you know that's just the skill set that they bring to the table you know and being once you make it to that pinnacle that level you know you become one of the best of the world yeah. So, yeah, whichever it is, you know, I'm quite sure they will be able to adjust that game to that particular setting um, because the skill set was there, you know, doing that. Um, you know, each game, you know, each year, each generation is going to evolve. Like I said, we talked about earlier from yeah. the skill set and so far for where players are today, you know, and what they're working on and what they were trying to become. Um, it wasn't emphasis back then where a big guy worked on ball handling and all that. So it was more... But again, it will change again when those big men come along and yeah. uh, certain things happen. So, you know, that's the evolving of our game. Yeah, So, because one of the fun debates I've had with somebody is like, Patrick Ewing is one of my favorite players. You know, I was born in New York. Mm-hmm. And somebody was like, well, what is Patrick Ewing in the NBA right now? And you just made a great point. Like, well, it's tough to transport Ewing now because he would have been growing up in the AAU and shooting threes, like you're saying. Uh, and, and like stretching the floor and being a stretch five, he wouldn't be a back to the basket guy, right? Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is that Patrick Young's skill set would still be the same, is that then they would have to adjust to his game because then you can't play no small guy on Patrick or, or Akeem Olajuwon or Robert Parrish and all of So the game, will, the rules will be changed again. That's what I'm trying to let you all know mm. is skill sets that allows that to happen. So in the Kevin Durant ain't going to be playing no Moses Malone in the, in the paint. 
So you see it and all that and vice versa. So that's just the way it is. You know, when their guys and the shit kills them, they had a shot, you know? So Shaq ain't had to worry about shooting no three. So again, he, he wasn't worried. You got to adjust to him. So they going to throw the ball in and dump him down and tell him what you going to do. You ain't got no other choice but to, you know, put five guys to try to double team and try to stop him. So the game will be adjusted to him. So yeah. that's how you look at it. All right, Muggsy Bogues, the NBA legend. Uh, Muggsy, thanks a lot for taking the time, man, and uh, keep up the good work in Charlotte. And uh, I think we'll see your team in the playoffs this year. <laughs> I hope so, James. I'm telling you, I'm sure we're shooting for it, buddy. We're shooting for it. Yeah. All right, thanks a lot, Muggsy. All right, partner, be good. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.